Welcome to another edition of Hootsie's Roadshow, where tonight I'm speaking with Paul Schoons. Hello. For those of you who are unaware, Paul Schoons is the man behind the legendary New Zealand fanzine Time Space Visualizer. He's also one half of the team who tracked down a missing episode of Doctor Who, specifically The Lion, a missing episode of the William Hartnell story The Crusade back in 1999. He's the author of the excellent The Comic Strip Companion, dealing with Doctor Who comics, and he's also written the Infotech subtitles on many of the classic era Doctor Who DVDs you've watched. Paul, is there anything you haven't done in relation to Doctor Who and fandom? (laughs) <laughs> it's quite a long list, isn't it? <laughs> it's very impressive. <laughs> I've been a Doctor Who fan for a very long time, so yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to wreck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it is based around uh, writing, I guess, going back to the fanzine days and then the info text on the, the DVDs and then indeed writing the comic strip companion. Would you say your your early life saw so you sort of wanting to be a, a writer of some kind or i think i think i wanted to be terence dix <laughs> didn't we all <laughs> didn't we all i think a lot of fans can relate to that ambition absolutely and from the looks of things uh the apple might not have fallen too far from the tree with regard to what you've brought in tonight to show us for who takes road show what's uh what's in that box there <laughs> <laughs> I have my my box is very heavy. It's I've I've weighed it. <laughs> Several boxes, I've, perhaps. I've done my research here, and I can tell you it's thirty five kilograms. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the people at home are going to be wondering uh, wondering what this is. Is it a uh, a full size Cyberman or a Dalek or something at thirty five kilos? So uh, it's uh, a box of one hundred and thirty four books all of which are Doctor Who novelizations, but they are hardback, not paperback. Yes, the the much sought after hardbacks, which would come out before the paperbacks, as I recall, back in the back in the day. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to read the stories first, you had to be either buying the hardback or have a library who was um, buying them perhaps uh, for their shelves. What what inspired you to collect the the target novels in hardback, Paul? Well. I... Reading the, reading the novelizations as a child made me a fan of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I got into the television series. I was watching it, but I think I became a fan because I was obsessed with reading the books, being a voracious reader as a child. And a lot of my earliest memories of reading the, the, the Doctor Who novelizations were, borrow, and like you mentioned just before, borrowing the hardbacks from the local library. So, so I, that was the way in which I encountered a lot of the books to start with. Me too, actually. Uh, I was both borrowing them, and this might sound very strange. I was photocopying their front covers and pasting oh, really? them. Yeah, and pasting the photocopies into yeah. a little, a little book. I was sort of <laughs> scrapbooking before scrapbooking mm. was a thing. I, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I say, it was very weird. I didn't grasp the idea that I, I guess I was very young. I didn't grasp the idea that it was possible to own these books. I had a couple that of. I had. I, I'll tell you exactly what I had. I, I had the paperback of um, the Cave Monsters, which my mother had given me as a present, mm-hmm. and I also had that um, uh, Terence Dix and Malcolm Holt making of Doctor Who. And for many years, those are the only two Target books I owned, and all the other ones I read I borrowed from the library. So, 
it was only some years later that, that I chanced across a big dump bin of, of, of Doctor Who target novelizations. These are the paperbacks in, in, in a bookshop, and, and I realized that they were cheap enough I could buy them with pocket money. So that's where my collection really got underway. It sounds like they were on sale. Were they on sale for some reason? I remember when the local distributor here was sort of getting out of them. I found some at Kmart for like 50 cents a pop. Was it that sort of sale or was it? No, I just think this was pre-inflation days. For me, this would be 1980 when I started buying the paper. right. (laughs) Yeah, quite early on. (laughs) Um, So I would have been about 12 12 years old yeah. in 1980 and and so I, I i i could they were about from memory this is new zealand um we're talking about uh, they were from memory they were about 30 35 cents a book and that was sort of pocket money if you know what i mean it was it was affordable yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. i could certainly couldn't afford to buy them all at once so I, I had to sort of pick and choose and and over time sort of beg begging and borrowing for for extra money and leaning on relatives who were generous enough to, to buy me copies and that sort of thing. And so I, over time, the much coveted collection increased from, say, you know, the initial sort of three or four books right up to having a full. It took me about five years to get all of the novelizations that were available at that time. Mm-hmm. I can remember distinctly, I think, I think Kinder was the first novelization I bought new after I'd got all the ones previous to that, if you follow me. By the time, so by the time yeah. Kinder came out and, and as, as, as a new book, I, 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 that was the first time I had a complete set. Yeah. And obviously we're talking paperbacks at this at this oh, stage. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. I never saw the hardbacks on sale. I only ever saw them in libraries. I don't know if they were ever distributed here in bookshops. And they, I'm sure they would not have been within my price range as a, as a, as a kid anyway. I'm sure they would be much more expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they were only specialist bookshops here for, for as far as I can remember as well. Yeah. But just going back a little, I know what you mean, going into the library and seeing the hardbacks in there and, and not sort of realizing at a younger age that these are things you could own i had a similar experience with peter haining's um a celebration book yeah you know because it was a big heavy hardcover book and when i was quite young i was thinking oh i I would never own this this is (laughs) this is a special book for a library you know and now i look over and it's on my shelf you know over there (laughs) well exactly yeah yeah i think i think that's very much the case is that things you sort of covered as a child and you think oh my gosh i can remember thinking i'd never own a full set of the books so that was just an unachievable goal you know when i had about seven of the 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 novelizations and 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 looking in the front of the book and there'd be that great long list if you remember Mm -hmm. in the front of the book of, of all the all the titles that were published and it's kind of like as a, as a child with limited resources and, and, and to be frank, you know, the bookshops weren't that well stocked either. So you only sort of saw six or seven on the shelves at any given time. Just the prospect of actually being able to find and buy all of those books just seemed seemed an unattainable goal. It just seemed like an unimaginable thing to, to actually own a complete set. And then obviously over time it became became a reality. Oh, absolutely. I remember I think when I bought The Two Doctors, that was the 100th Target novel. And I certainly didn't have a hundred target novels yep. at that point in time, and just thinking, "Oh, will I ever own all one hundred? It seems so insurmountable now." <laughs> now it's like, yeah, "Yeah, they're over there on the shelf," albeit <laughs> yeah. only in paperback. It's sad, it's sad that we—it's very easy for us to take them for granted now, and I think probably. I don't know, maybe may, may making terrible assumptions here, but I would say modern fans probably don't even regard the novelizations as anything particularly important to them. No, they they really don't. Um, I mean, their equivalent now would be DVD, I guess. You know, we. I mean, probably an important point to make 
for younger listeners is that we didn't have VHS, we didn't have DVD. If we wanted to re- experience the stories again, we needed we needed the books. It was the only way we could uh, have a record of them. That's right. They're massively important. And I, <clears throat> this isn't unique, but I have a theory that for us older fans, sometimes we like certain episodes, certain stories, because we read the Target novel, and the Target novel was so good compared to perhaps the actual story itself, that <laughs> yeah. we have this memory of the story being way better than it was. The, this this is a particular phenomenon. I don't know what it was like, particularly for Australia, but I don't know if you're aware, but in New Zealand, we fell very far behind with the television screenings. That's right. We, after um, Mordred Undead, they, they stopped screening new Doctor Who for about five years. We've got old stories, so it's great. We still had Doctor Who, but we didn't see anything new for about five years after that point. So we got very far behind on the 80s stuff. But the books still kept coming out. So things like, you know, Terminus Enlightenment right through, you know, sort of right through the Colin Baker era were stories that I was reading the novelizations and hadn't seen the television stories, didn't have any way of seeing them. So they were in my mind's eye. I was imagining that Terminus was this grand, really quite impressive story. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm saying. And so what you you're coming back to your point about how sometimes the novelizations are quite disparate in quality from the television stories. And 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 likewise I didn't think much of Casey Andrasani because to be frank, it's not one of Terence's best works. It's quite a bland um adaptation of the story. Mm. And 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 so a story which is so highly regarded by fans on 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 the page really just doesn't cut it. So I can remember thinking when I read the book, what's all the fuss about, you know, because I'd sort of read in Doctor Who magazine and people were saying how wonderful the story was. And I go, no, not doing it for me. (laughs) (laughs) When did you get the idea then to start collecting the hardcovers? Oh, this would have been in the early 2000s. Um, I, I, I can't remember exactly what got me started on it. I think, if I remember correctly... I was I, I got hold of a few secondhand from another fan. There was just five or six of them, just random random hardcovers. And I thought, this is kind of cool, because like I was mentioning before, that was an early nostalgia thing from some having read them in the library. I kind of wanted to look again at these these books, you know, like some of these early ones like, you know, Hand of Fear, Brandon Morbius, ones that I vividly remember borrowing from the library, not just once, but over and over again, the yeah. same book. Yeah. The library only had about, I probably only had about 10 or 15 of the hardbacks. They didn't have a lot of them. And so I would just read them over and over again. I'd get them out every week. You know, I got well known to the librarian. I can distinctly remember because this is this is the back in the days when you had to take a book up to the counter and get it stamped before you could take it out of the library. None of this sort of self-serve checkout. And so I can remember sort of striking up a rapport with the librarian and she got to know me as a Doctor Who reader. So she was always saying, haven't you read this one before? You know, sort of. <laughs> In a, in a very in a very supportive way i mean she wasn't sort of being dismissive or anything but uh, but yeah i can I, that stuck in my mind that you know the library was very much aware that i was borrowing these books enough that she was remembering i'd seen that i'd read that one before <laughs> when i when i got got hold of these five or six hardbacks um you know much much later on early probably the late 90s i i just wanted to sort of you know rediscover the the look and feel of them it was a nostalgia thing because they are quite different to the paperbacks they're they're slightly larger. The print quality is. I mean, the the pages are I think better quality than the the paperbacks. They're they're not they're not so newsprinty if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and they've got dust jackets. Certainly the early ones have got separate dust jackets. And the 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 the, the, the print quality just seems I don't know the the, the tactile sensation of them. Very hard to describe on audio I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they are a nice feel. They're a nice thing to sort of pick up and and leaf through. They certainly um, are. 
yeah so 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 that was my initial sort of thing and then and then because I was in a in, in a job at the time that it required a lot of sitting at the desk you know and browsing the internet and waiting for it to do something I had a lot of downtime basically at, at work I, I started perusing eBay as you do mm-hmm. and noticing a lot of these hardbacks were were fairly inexpensive uh, you know being sold second hand on 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 ebay um you know they were only a few pounds each from the uk people are going to be crying hearing that like, look i'm all I'm, yeah <laughs> if they've been looking yeah, more I, recently <laughs> yeah i mean we have to we have to contextualize this this is about 2000 2001 2002 i'm doing this i mean doctor who is not a big property at this point and probably a lot of people have given up on the series this is post mcgann long before the announcement the series is coming back and doctor who's probably at well i don't know how you'd feel about it i, I suspect it was probably at a fairly low ebb would, would you that was a good assessment i i would absolutely agree because i have a famous story i tell that when i heard the show was coming back I thought, oh my God, all the merchandise is going to go up in value. And mm. I jumped on eBay and started buying all the things I had ever wanted, right. <laughs> like Hartnell annuals and things like yeah. this, knowing they would go up ridiculous amounts and, of and money. Were, but at the time you were buying them, they were still reasonably affordable? They certainly were, even at right. that period, you know, just before the show came back. Right. So that that that, that chimes in with what I'm saying about the the, uh, the hardback prices, that they just generally were not that expensive. I mean, most of them, I, I like I say, were like a few pounds each, and quite a few were available in batches say you know four or five books all photographed together and you just basically you couldn't pick and choose you just bought the lot so it was quite i had this sort of overwhelming sense of nostalgia at this time of like i i I can just start doing what i used to do as a kid i can start you know collecting novelizations again they do it all over again i had all of course i had all the paperbacks on the shelf i've got a complete set of them but just this this thought that hey i can i can actually start buying these books and and for a while i just thought look i'll just buy some you know i I, it wasn't like oh i'm going to buy them all it's kind of like i'll just buy some and now over time it just became that you know the shrinking number i needed was just just as kind of like oh this this is actually achievable and I think the most I ever paid for a single book, and this is right near the end where I thought, shit, you know, I only need a few left, so I'm, I'm willing to go the extra, the extra amount. I think I paid about twenty pounds for the Wheel in Space, which is a particularly rare one. Yeah, yeah, that even was, in paperback. Yeah, that was about sixty dollars New Zealand, and that was that was the most I paid for one book, I think. Now, you were mentioning the full set of paperbacks. I think it's probably worth mentioning for people out there if they didn't catch the the number earlier. The number of hardbacks is less because the range didn't actually extend the full distance of of target novels. No, we probably probably need to cover a little bit about that, don't we? The thing about the hardbacks is that there's obviously the, the, the original three in the 1960s. So you've got the Daleks, Zabi, and um, Crusaders. And then they do spearhead and Silurians, or, you know, as they are their... Um, Autumn Invasion and Cave Monsters to give their novelization titles. Mm-hmm. And then they don't do any more novelizations for a while. The paperbacks continue, but the hardbacks don't. And then the hardbacks resume with Plant of the Spiders and Three Doctors in late 1975. And then after, and then they continue on from there for, you know, basically shadowing the, the paperbacks. And over time, they, they, they start releasing them earlier than the paperbacks. And I think that's a way to garner more sales and people who are too impatient or were you know prepared to pay the extra money they could buy them let's say six months earlier and then the, the ones they'd missed because there were 10 as i say that they'd missed they were reprinted they were printed in hardback in, in the early 1980s 
So that's sort of like the early poetry novelizations. And then they, and with the smugglers in June 1988, they basically said that was the last one. They just stopped the range because the sales had dropped off so much that it wasn't worth continuing with the hardback. So after that, they were all paperback. So yeah, there was only um, 100 and, 134 books, I think, from the range. Mm. Now, doc- mm. Doctor Who fans, being such completists, does it ever make you feel a bit funny when you look at them and know that it's not a full set? But it can't be a full set. That's the that's, that's the frustrating thing. <laughs> I don't think that's ever bothered me so much um, okay. because because I've got them all in paperback. You know, if I didn't have the paperbacks, if I'd, if I'd only ever bought them in hardback, I think that might frustrate me. But the fact that I've got a full set of paperbacks means that that completest gene, if you like, that that that's satiated by having those. I, I know what you mean. It is kind of frustrating they didn't go to the end, especially since uh, June 1988 is so close. You know, they're only a couple of years off ending anyway. But um, but yeah, no, I'm, 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 it doesn't it doesn't hurt me so much. What what really works me is is the fact they didn't quite complete the range of novelizations altogether because it's the last the last few never got done. Well, up until recently, obviously they're doing them now. But uh, but that that hurt me more. <laughs> and, and, indeed, and even the ones they're doing more recently are, are a different size and format and. They, they don't kind of fit in anyway with the sort of whole target ethos, I guess. Yeah, you see, that irks me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that irks me too. <laughs> it irks me that they haven't sort of had the foresight because it's an extra money spinner. Why don't they just produce a limited run of them in, in the target size for, for the collectors? Because surely people would buy them. Yeah, I mean, the BBC book, books people are open to doing interesting things. They've just put out some really 60s-inspired little hardbacks that I've I've noticed. Um, yeah, some yeah, Hartnell the, the, stories, facsimiles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they look fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm going to get those. I haven't got those yet. Yeah, because my copies of those books are, are pretty tatty, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm keen to get those, those reproductions in my collection. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which leads me to, to think about Doctor Who books in general, and I won't go down the path of, of nonfiction, but mm. in terms of say the the new adventures and the missing adventures that Virgin did in the nineties, were you ever interested in those? Oh, definitely. I've got a complete set. Yeah, yeah. I've got them all. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I never lost. I, I never. I never really lost my my my, my love of Doctor Who books. Um, when when the from from my point of view the. The 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 new, the new adventures were were a continuation of the of the novelizations in a way. They were, they, it was the same company producing them. You know, it was still Virgin Publishing, and uh, Terence Dix was still involved. You know, Nigel Robinson was still involved. It, it felt very much like they were picking up where they left off with the books, with the with the novelizations, and continuing on. So, so yeah, I, I never really questioned them. I, it astounded me in later years because uh, you know, growing up, I. I didn't have much contact with the wider fan community, and when when I started, you mentioned that that I published a fanzine for many years, and and obviously I I would cover the new adventures because they were running at the time, mm-hmm. and later on when 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 overseas fans, um, you know, people in London were 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 buying my my fanzine, I'd get letters from them saying it's so refreshing to get a fanzine that which is so positive about the new adventures, because so many of them. Because so many of the, the UK fanzines were quite sort of snooty and dismissive of them. I don't know. It, it, I, I wasn't really aware of that attitude. And maybe they were too close to it because the, the people writing the books were maybe in the social circle. I don't quite know what the reason was. But but yeah, and quite um, rewardingly, the, this even came to the attention of Virgin's export sales manager, 
who was very complimentary of TSV and, 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 and our positive attitude towards the new adventure. So he says, you guys are doing such a great job. I'm going to start sending you complimentary review copies and cover proofs. So, Oh, <laughs> lovely. He didn't slip just, you a case of lung barrow, did he? Or Oh, I did have a few copies of that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my nest egg for a little while. <laughs> but, but, um, but, yeah, no, that, 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 was a, that was a real bonus, you know. And, uh, and, you know, I've always had a love of the Doctor Who books. Absolutely. Did that continue... I'm scared to ask, but did that continue into the BBC Eighth Doctor Adventures and and past Doctor Adventures? Yes, yes, it did. It did. Yeah, I, where where it's tailed off is with the the modern uh, Doctor Who. I don't have anything against the television series, but I have to say, I'm, I, the books haven't really grabbed me. The novel, the novels that they've they've done, the tie-in novels for the for the the new series stuff. Yeah. So, I was, yeah. I was going to say, what has appealed about those to me? Not that I've collected many. I've just right. bought the, the Capaldi one, so there's six that I've got on the shelf. I yep. like that they're hardcover again. Mm, yeah, I, that, I mean, that appeals. Yeah. yeah, they do do paperbacks uh, eventually, but they initially mm. come out in hardback. And they're quite nice little things. But yeah, the stories are... They're not sort of written as young adult, but they're not sort of written as adult either. They're, they're quite strange. They're very basic... Mm. They may be akin to, to target novels in some ways, but there's something just lacking about them, I think. I, I, I feel that, I don't know, I, I don't know what obviously what restrictions they've been written under, but I do feel that there might be a lot of management in the sense that they have to conform to the style and feel of the television series and there isn't enough room for experimentation, maybe. I'm, I'm not really sure where, where they're coming from, but they just don't seem particularly... Um, adventurous or, or as sort of inspiring as, as, as some of, you know, what I remember of, of reading the the best of the, the Virgin stuff and even the BBC books for the Eighth Doctor and the, the, the missing, you know, the past Doctor books were, were, were to seem more cleverer and, and more, more willing to experiment and go out on a limb. But, yeah. yeah, they really could go where they liked. And, and mm. that might be why there was maybe some pushback from fanzines overseas because they were the classic example is Ace. They were taking Ace in such interesting, perhaps, directions and the way she would speak and the swearing. And it was it was very jarring, I guess, to some fans who were thinking, oh, this isn't quite my Doctor Who. Yeah, my problem with Ace, as I remember with the, with the New Adventures, was just the inconsistency that she'd be a certain way in one book and then she'd be some, some other way in another book. I think the problem with the early New Adventures particularly is that they're, they're being written without too much um, oversight between authors and editor. So, so you know, you get the classic examples, isn't it, with um, Nightshade where, where, where Ace is sort of all, all cut up about something at the end of the story and then at the beginning of the next story she's completely moved on and yet no time's supposed to have passed. It's... You get jarring things like that, and it, it really feel like, hold on, if there's a bit more continuity between these books, it might, might, might work a bit better. Oh, for anyone who's watched the Davison era, we're used to that sort of thing, aren't we? Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Pete is my favourite Doctor, so I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but uh, I just think no, of the my end... My favourite Doctor too, actually. Yes, yes, I've, I've, I've detected that in a few uh, podcast interviews I've heard with you. I thought, <laughs> yes, kindred spirit, I'm going to get him on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any any opportunity to talk about Davison, yeah. Yeah. Now, in terms of value, it's it's very vulgar to talk about this, but I I think we have to. You you were mentioning how cheaply you were picking these hardbacks do you, up. Do you, uh, maybe maybe I need to talk about condition here because some of these books yes are RX Library, so um, they've you know at best they've got a stamp in them, 
you know, because they've they're because they've been deaccessioned from a library. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite remarkable. You go through them and you go, oh, it's West Midlands or it's Lincolnshire or you know what I mean. You you can sort of pick up the sort of the libraries in the UK that had a lot of these books and then sold them off cheaply and and then their sales. And and so some of them have also got sort of stamps in the back and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So so there's a real sort of rich history with that. And some of the covers can be a little bit tatty. One lovely thing about the covers, and this is particularly true of the ones that have the separate dust jackets, is that I'd receive them from eBay and my heart would fall because, like, they'd be just so incredibly grubby and grimy because they've been through the library system and they're, mm. they're just sort of they're, – they're, they're sort of a bit – bit dirty and slimy and you know what i mean they're just oh, that constant wear yep. and tear of you know many human hands and you know children and everything all just touching them and the library but smell the great, yeah yeah but the great thing about the library editions is that they are always almost always covered in a plastic laminate film yes. that can be just un, you just get a knife and you go around the edges and you cut off the sellotape and the film fills away and the dust jacket beneath is as immaculate as the day the library put it into their system Yes, that that is a beautiful sensation. So many of these books, even though when you open them up, obviously the pages have got stamps in them. Some of them are a bit, bit crusty and everything. The covers just look immaculate. So they just oh, uh, that, that's <laughs> nice <laughs> because they've been preserved in that plastic library laminate. You know they've, and when when I've unsealed them from that, they've, they're in their original condition. They're very little fading on them. They're, they're, they're just really, really nice. That's right. And, and two things in relation to what you're saying there. One is you're probably not going to be able to find these books not in ex-library condition because they were so hard to find, you know. Mm. And the other thing with regard to stamps and such in them, it is nice to see that sort of thing. I quite like when I buy an old Doctor Who annual, for example, yep. and written inside is, you know, to Timmy, Happy Christmas 1972, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it might be. That. Yeah, yeah, some of mine have got that. And you think, and, who's Timmy? Yeah. Did he enjoy this? Did he read it on Christmas Day? I, I actually really like that kind of thing. And then the beautiful thing is, because that accounts for probably about a, just over half of my collection of hardbacks. The other half are immaculate. Now, I don't know why this is. Is it just that publisher clearinghouses were getting rid of them on eBay or, or what? But honestly, some of these books, you open them up and the spine almost cracks because they've never, ever been opened or read. They are that good. Some of these books, if you were to pick them, you know, if you didn't know that these, the age of these books, if you pick them off a, book, a new, new bookshelf now, you know, in a bookshop, you wouldn't question it. You go, oh, that's just a new book. They're that good. Yeah. New old stock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I got, I, I bought, um, I, I got, I got, I've got a few more examples in my hand here. This is a copy of Morgan Undead, and it's absolutely, the pages crackle as you turn. Them. They're that, they're that, you know, untouched. I got a, I got a very rude email from one of the um, eBay sellers. They bought one off quite, you know, quite innocently. I put in a bid, right? Mm-hmm. Had a very low reserve on it, and I put in a bid and didn't think anything of it, like you do. I probably just thought, oh look, I, I'll see if I get it, and, and I and I won it at this incredibly low bid, and and I got this really rude email from the seller saying, I'm going very gradually say I'm going to sell it to you, but but it's worth a lot more than that, and you've got an absolute bargain. I was going, oh. why are you so grumpy? And then when it turned up, it was kind of like this has never been touched by human hands. It was just wow. so Wow. (laughs) I was going to say, though, if they were that in love with it, they could have put their reserve a little higher. You would have thought that, wouldn't you? But then, like like we were saying, it is that era when books just, the Doctor Who books were not selling. So, 
she, she might have had it listed, you know, on on eBay for years and have been gradually dropping the price in the hope someone would get it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Now, we can talk prices back and forth here. I've seen on eBay just this past week a, a, a little collection. They're selling them individually, though, of, of hardbacks. Yeah. They, they've got them at a starting price of $99 Australian each. Oh, you're kidding me. No, I'm not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> each. Each. <laughs> Uh, what, do they mention the condition? They look pretty good. Right. They they do look pretty good. Yeah. But uh, obviously, you know, the great thing about being a collector is you may find people who don't know what they've got, and they'll still be selling them cheaply in, in even this day and age. But mm-hmm. what what do you think might be a fair price on, on these? If you were going out and looking to buy them now, what would you be expecting to pay? I've seen some pretty scary prices for these books on eBay over the years, and I, I've kind of flanked my lucky stars that I bought them when I did. I, I've, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen some of these. I, the thing about eBay too, do they actually sell? I've, I've seen some hardbacks that are north of 150 pounds, sometimes up to 200 pounds a book. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, who is spending this money on a single book? <laughs> well, we mentioned the new adventure, Lung Barrow, earlier, and that yeah. might be similar. You see the same copies sort of hanging around at a very high price and no I, one's buying. I, I sold a copy of Lung Barrow a few years back for a $350 New Zealand. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Someone wanted it that badly. <laughs> well, if they want a complete set, they have to pay it. Yeah, I have to say I'm not parting with my hard base. <laughs> Forty-one makes me an offer. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no emails, folks. They're not for sale. <laughs> uh, one, one, one of the, your 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 guests you hit on before, John O. Park, who's a fellow fellow podcaster, fellow New Zealander. He 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 is very admiring of my hardback collection. I think he'd, he'd sort of love love to get his hands on these. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's, I know he's collected the Target novels, uh, a couple of sets at least. He has, he did yeah, one for yeah. charity, I think. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, helped, I helped him out find a couple of those, I think. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, thank you so much for bringing these books in today. I think it sparked a, a lovely little conversation about Target and Target novels. It's something that I think has touched all of us older fans in some way. And maybe, yeah, it is a shame that the newer fans don't quite have the same sort of thing, because it was special. Mm, definitely. Once again, thank you so much for, for chatting with us today. Thank you.